This is episode number 251 on the Rising Man podcast with Albert Chavez. If I don't trigger you, I'm not doing my job. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Rising Man podcast. I am Jedi Azuma here, your host for this episode, and I'm delighted to bring to you my guest, Albert Chavez. Albert is the founder of Chavez Fit and a living testament to the power of personal transformation and redemption. At 47, he hit rock bottom alone with grown children and a trail of failed relationships. In 2020, he made a life-altering decision to rebuild himself into the man and father he needed to be. Through therapy, coaching, and personal training, he embarked on a remarkable journey of self-discovery. Now, his program, Built Uncommon, wakes men up to their full potential. In this episode, Albert and I discussed the spirit of masculinity and how it differs from popular misconceptions. We talked about how transforming judgment for others led Albert on a deep journey of personal transformation. Albert also acknowledged the unhealthy parts of himself that still live inside of him and how he keeps them in check to be the man he says he is. Albert told us about how you can reinvent yourself heading into your 50s instead of sailing off into the sunset. And also recognizing that the only thing we must do is become the man that we say we are, starting with identifying and honoring our standards. Lastly, and this was my favorite part of the episode, we discussed legacy and the impact of sharing a rites of passage journey with his son, how that's already impacted his relationship with him and the future generations of his bloodline. Without further ado, Albert Chavez. All right, Rising Man family. I've got one of my favorite men in the world joining me here on the show today for the first time. This is the first time we get to do this, Albert Chavez, coming in yes, from sir. Folsom, California. My man, how you doing? I'm blessed, man. I'm so you can, I'm smiling from ear to ear, and usually people say I, I don't smile, so I'm glad to be here. Uh-huh. Oh, dude, I missed my opportunity. I was going to introduce you as author and oh, writer, Albert yes. Chavez, right here. Go. For those of you who are watching, I got the book right here. We'll, we'll talk more about that, but man, congratulations. I know that was something. How long were you working on the book for before it arrived at my doorstep? So say that one more time. How long were you working on the book for before Great it arrived question. at my doorstep? So um, most people don't know is I've, I've known JD through his movement organization and did the um, rites of passage. The book inception started when I got back. It was mm -hmm. part of um, Inferno for me. It was my flight plan. And um, that being said, I talked about it for two and a half years. So the book took two and a half years. It took me 30 days to write it. Yeah, it was it was waiting, man. It was it was it was fully loaded. It just was looking for an exit out. huh? Yeah, I, I I'll explain it like, you know, in our group, you know, the bottom line is um, I believe we have ego in, in, in this intuition and my ego is this loud voice that yells and screams and makes me feel inadequate. But this intuition is this soft whisper, the soft whisper that kind of comes in and out in and out. And in April, the whisper was getting it was coming at me. Albert, you got to write the book. You got to write the book. There's something you got to share your story. People have to know there's men that want it. Men right now are looking for purpose. This could be the doorway. You have to write it. That's why I got so excited to write it and put parameters that it had to be done because it was in my soul that I had to get it done in a certain amount of time. Mm. And for the folks who don't know you yet, um, <laughs> I'll say that you're you're one of the men who really carries that 
that spirit of masculinity. I think the spirit of masculinity a lot of people are afraid of, particularly when it comes to assertiveness mm-hmm. and edge. A lot of people would interpret that as harshness mm-hmm. and aggressiveness. But what's the distinction for you? Because I, I think that that's something I know has been well-received and yeah. provided a lot of opportunities for conflict with other men in a good way. Yeah, I think what I've really grown to masculinity is safety. Honesty, like like when when a man is truly masculine, he's not your threat. He's your safety because he's internally um, dealt with his his strife. He's protective. He's dutiful. He's honorable. He has character. He has self discipline. All of these masculine qualities is what makes the masculine man the perfect person to receive information. It's the boyish, toxic, um, sophomoric individual who hasn't dealt with that is the threat, in my opinion. So to answer your question, the masculinity, true masculinity really is peace and calm. And that's how I distinct it, is is that I had to learn how to become peace and calm by dealing with the conflict within me. Mm-hmm. What would you say the unpolished version of Albert looked like when, cause, cause I think that this is a yeah. brand of man that you've been nurturing for years, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. Be- way before I got to know you. Yeah. I would say the single most, the single difference between this version and the older version is one word judgment. I used to judge people because of my lack of self-worth and I would judge you based upon who you were, you presented to me because I wasn't good with myself, so I had to constantly keep, um, I would say, um, yeah, just ju- just just signing off with you. Like, are we are we good, or are you higher than me and lower than me? And then I had to kind of like really peacock my way. So I had to really learn that that part of me was the toxic part of me who was wounded that needed to be seen, and I was seen by my my vigor, by my words, by my um, uh, by my aggression. And this version of myself, because I've been able to deal with those internal parts is the best part of me is being soft because you don't know where I'm coming from. Mm. The softer I am, the less the, the 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 less unpredictable that you think I am, because you're like, where is this guy mad? Is he upset or is, is he going to fucking come after me or just be calm? So, yeah, man, I, I think that's a really good topic to dig in a little bit more to, because I think. Uh, judgment is something that we often feel the consequences of when it's coming mm-hmm. towards us. Mm-hmm. And I know that when I experienced judgment from other people, especially when I was a lot younger, it would spin me off into my own story. Mm-hmm. What I didn't realize is how much judgment was, a, it was actually a protective mechanism of that yep. other person, right? Mm-hmm. Like you said, you're very, you're very honest with that, very candid that it was, it was myself. Mm-hmm. It was my own lack of self-worth that led mm-hmm. me to judge other people. Yeah. So, where did where did you where did when did, where and when and how do you first become aware of that dynamic? Because I think I'm sure a lot of that was unconscious. Yeah. So part of part of my journey that I tell men is, I'll say the version of me now that I get is people are like Albert, you're really calm and present now. Like what shifted for you? And what really shifted is, I believe that. The deeper that I got within the pain and the struggle and the fears that I had, there were no more lies that I had to hold on to. There were no more secrets. And and part of that holding on to those secrets is we create these avatars of people that we want people to like and to care for and accept us. 
I was so worried about what you thought about me that it took away from the authenticity of this person I, who I really wanted to be. So I would get upset because if you, for example, said something that triggered me that I knew was right, I would bark at you or come at you or want to fight you because you hit a nerve that I wasn't ready to deal with. Now, part of this book that I wrote is it doesn't exist anymore. All those memories, you know all my secrets. There's nothing that I'm holding on to that presents myself to be more present and calm because there's nothing that you can hold over me of this inadequacy that I have of my self-worth. So in other words, I was able to look in the mirror. I call it, I looked in the mirror and stopped looking through the window. The window was you. I was projecting on you. Once I put the window with a mirror in front of me, I was like, oh shit, that's me. I'm mad at me now that I see me, but before it was a window and I saw you, you're the threat, you're the reason. And that, and I also have a term called, I started observing what happened in my life as opposed to absorbing the pain that I got from everybody. The pain was so enormous because I got, I, I, all these things were happening to me. I didn't know how to do that. So I just said, the more that I project, the more that I can blame, the more I complain, then I could leave and I didn't care if you were in my life anymore because I gave it to you. Now, sitting in it and owning it and self-honesty and learning that I have to own what happened in my life. Not what, what, not, it's not my fault of what happened in my life, but it's my, for damn sure my responsibility to fix or to heal that part of me. So I no longer have to keep projecting on someone who doesn't, who's not responsible for what happened to me. <laughs> I'm responsible for me. Yeah, uh, that's really well articulated, man. And uh, I, I'll speak for myself. I know there's a lot of men in our community who respect you a lot and love mm -hmm. you very much for who you are. I know that you're a role model for many. And a lot of folks, if they just got to know you today, they would see you as a man who's very disciplined, a man who's all about action. Mm -hmm. He's not about talk. You back up mm -hmm. everything you say you're going to do by doing it. I'm sure you're not a perfect man, but you're you're very highly disciplined and, mm -hmm. and accountable to yourself, which is that's not an automatic thing. That's not something mm -hmm. that you were born into this mm -hmm. world with. I know mm -hmm. that in my experience. And uh, so I'm just wondering, uh, was there ever a version of you that was lazy, that procrastinated <laughs> that? And and when did that Albert exist? Yeah. So I'm going to say that's been most of my life. Like I'm the fat boy in the corner who loves to eat Cheetos. Like I love, I love food. I love the pleasures. I used to love drinking. He's, he's still inside of me. But what I came to grips with, and you'll read it in the book, it's it's the self-worth part of me was so low. Again, I'll go into a little bit deeper, right? So I came from a background, so people, the men know, was like, I came from a very violent background. And I had to learn how to cope with life by protecting myself, by people pleasing, by saying yes to people, by not. So if I told you the truth, I would get hurt. So I might as well lie to you and tell you different so I'm not getting hurt. And then when my mom and my dad my mom left me the wounding that I always had was am I even good enough for you because my own mom didn't love me she left me at seven how could you ever love me JD or a woman how could you ever love me my own mom didn't love me so growing up I would really gravitate to things that I would get accolades in sports I was good really good in sports I did good great I got out of boy I did good in school I got out of boy but when I didn't get an attaboy, then I had to create the attaboy, which is, let me go buy you a drink, Jetty. Let me go buy you this. So I always was giving away my power. 
that discipline, that lack of self-control, right, came from a wounding because I just wanted people to acknowledge me and see me. So up until four years ago, which is where the story is all about, it's I was drinking a fifth of vodka every three days. I was very unhealthy. I was very unsafe. I was a good person, but my my habits were taking me down this road. I didn't feel good about myself. I would sleep in all the time. I was making a lot of money, but I just I wasn't being the man that I really wanted to be because I didn't know how. So when I made the shift, when I decided to change, it was because the victim part of me says they all left me. Everybody left me. She left me. My kids left me. My son left me. But when I turned around and I really started, and this is what a lot of men have trouble with, is how many men do you know really raise their hand for help? Not many. So when I came to point at 47, it's like, I I need help. So when I raised my hand, then that was my first part of accountability is asking for support. So as the journey continued, I just, I forced myself that there's a version I wanted to be. So I created this character who I wanted to be like, like an actor. I wanted to be this actor, this character. Well, what is this character no longer doing anymore? And what is he doing? And I just fixated myself to that. He doesn't drink. He doesn't do this. He works out. I created this character I wanted. I know it's, it sounds easier said than done, but that's what I did is I was like, what does this individual no longer do? And what did they do do? And I just stuck by it. So when I, as I started going through my, instead of thinking about 10 years from now, I'm like, how does that person act today? That's the difference. So I started acting like him. He gets up early. He works out. He eats certain way. He doesn't do this. That was the forced adversity, self-discipline that I forced upon myself because 47 years I was doing it my way didn't work. I pushed everybody away because I was selfish and I was unhealed and I wasn't safe. And for me, that was the biggest failure is failing my kids and my family because I wasn't the man that I said I was. I was a fucking fraud. Excuse my language. I was a fraud and I didn't like that version of me. So I was like, you need to change. We're going to do it now. And that's when I raised my hand. I'm like, I don't have all the answers. I need help. And 47, that's how old 47. you were? 47. It was right. November, November 21st, 2019. As I decided, I was in a, in a hotel. I had a fifth of vodka. I emptied it out. I was like, this is enough. And two weeks later, I reached out to Stefanos. You know Stefanos. I'll see you and I know each other. And I hired him. And he was the first part. And then I hired a personal trainer a week after that. So both of these people came into my life. And I learned about myself and my body and those were the two um, bookmarks that got me through 2019 and 2020 2020 when i met you they got me through the version that i am now was created because of that one decision of not liking the man i was wow yeah man from darkness to redemption here it is right like that the whole that whole story one of the things i respect most about you man is that I mean, I'm 36, right? I guess I'm, <laughs> wow. I, I'm, I'm 10 years or so behind where you were when you had that big epiphany. Yeah. So uh, that's a little scary. I'm like, wow, yeah. that's close. Yeah. Um, but that being said, to reinvent yourself at that stage of your life yeah. is something that I think is really impressive. I've, I mean, I've encountered thousands of men over the years. I met many of them who are at a similar stage of your life. Yeah. And a lot of guys, are those 
habits, those beliefs systems are so hardwired and programmed that I think it's even more challenging than say a 25 year old Mm -hmm. who's trying to find his way in the world. Mm -hmm. And I mean, obviously I know you're a very humble person and Mm -hmm. you you know, Mm -hmm. you know, you're very willing to give credit where credit's due, but, um, what was the, what was the key there to, to be able to choose to, to go back into the beginner's mind? It was really easy, honestly. Like, think about this. I was a very young dad, right? At 22 years old, I had three kids at 29. I was married. I never got to dealt with any of my stuff. So at 47, imagine yourself, JD, 47. And my, my mindset was they all left me. I was all alone for the, it was the first time in my life I was alone, JD. The first time ever, ever. And so I was like, it's already low. I've already, they've already left me. My son wasn't talking to me. My daughters weren't talking to me. I'm all alone. What are you going to do now, bro? And so that was really like, excuse me, no one gives a shit about you. No one's going to save you. No one's going to save you. So if you, you have a path, there's a, your path, your dad went on. And there's another path that no one knows that no one's been on. Most of the men in my family have died from cirrhosis of the liver because of drinking problems. You can either be a statistic like your dad, or you can break the circuit and be something that your kids can be proud of and build a legacy that they they don't even know exists because you don't know exists. And that was it for me. It was just me saying, I'm not doing this for the kids. And it was actually a challenge. Can you do this or are you going to die doing it? Either way, at least you made an effort. That's how powerful it was for me. And what I'm finding is, and, and, and Tony Robbins says this, change only happens when the pain of the current reality is greater than the fear of change. Most men won't change because the pain isn't there enough for them to change. The fear of change is too great. I was at a point, Jade, like even when you were on the you and I were on the phone, I'm like, I have to go. Like I'm going. <laughs> even when I broke my leg, I'm going. It wasn't, I couldn't, I couldn't deal with what was happening outside, like well, your decision or every I had to, it was just my belief that I had to do this. And I think that's the biggest shift for me is for the first time in my life, I was fighting for me. Most men who are courageous will go fight a bunch of men but they won't fight for themselves in the dark. I decided to fight for me. I was that valuable. That is what shifted for me. And to this day, I keep that mantra. It's like, I need to do what's best for me and fight for me. Then when I have all of me, I can go fight 10 times for you now because now I have everything I need internally to be that person, to be the support for you. 100%, not 30%. Yeah. Yeah. The simplicity of things, man. That's one of the things I appreciate yeah. about you. Like it's you got this or that. It actually <laughs> makes me think of my dad. You know, my dad is a very mm-hmm. A or B type of person, mm-hmm. um, black mm-hmm. or white, not living in the gray. And I think that's something that a lot of men could benefit more from, just simplifying things. And one thing that I, I I've reflected on this past year, especially after I moved out to Austin and I and I got to go to a new environment with a lot more people, especially people mm-hmm. in my in my industry and in my world. Mm-hmm. Right. One of the biggest insights I had when I came here is that the only thing I really need to focus my energy and attention on is being the man that I say that I am. Mm -hmm. 
and looking for every opportunity to reinforce who I tell myself I am first. Right? I tell myself that I'm a man of integrity. I tell myself I'm a man of my word. I tell myself that I'm disciplined, I'm service driven, et cetera, et cetera. And following through on that mm-hmm. and every Action. opportunity that's presented to me. Mm-hmm. And, all, and all I have to do is that. Forget about, I mean, it's important to have strategy. It's important mm-hmm. to have plans. It's important to do all that too. But forget about like, planning out the moments. The moments pre- have presented themselves to me mm-hmm. in conversations with other people, in the way that I present myself in certain events and ceremonies in different places. And as long as I just reinforce that mm-hmm. for myself first, right? To, to, to remind myself that this is who I am. And then for the people that I'm in relationship with, everything else just takes, it just works out. It just works out, right? The, the urgency to put on these different masks to try and get me further along faster, that, I, don't, I don't believe that that works. And I think that's something that I, I was hearing you say is you're coming to the same similar realization that I'm just, I'm just who I say I am everywhere I go. And then, then I don't have to do any wardrobe changes <laughs> from one thing to the next, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think what I learned about myself also, and I love the reflection, is I was wearing 10 masks mm. when I would go out, when I'd be with my kids, coach, and I wasn't, I got confused, like, who am I? Mm. I'm putting all these masks on everywhere I go, trying to be someone for somebody else. And so the beard was different. You know, you saw me with them, but I can't grow that much, but I never had a beard before. I dressed different. Uh, my demeanor changed. And so what I hear you say is like, you just decided to stay in character. You wanted to be a character. And I think that's what a lot of men struggle with is, is they want to be someone else's avatar character. Who do you want to be? Like, like what, who do you want to be? What does it look like? What is he no longer doing? How's his energy? Build that character and be him. And then everybody, you're going to either repel people who don't need to be in your life, or you're going to attract the runs that need to be. But at least you are who you are. You're not changing mass. You're in character. And this is where we talk about standards. A lot of men don't have standards for themselves. Not my standards, your standards. What do you stand for and what are you not going to do or do? Most of the men that I talk to who have a hard time with change or people pleasing is they don't have any standards they're willing to stand by. So you and I had a discussion about this in one of our team meetings. Why don't you think more men like the word standard? What's it What's it about that word that, that you think scares people away? I think that it, it comes down to how we're raised and being raised in schools with rules and mm. the, the consequences of breaking mm. rules. Mm. We're afraid of those kind. They don't feel good. I mean, for some of us, yeah. there were physical consequences. Yeah. For some of us, there was detention public shaming ridicule Mm -hmm. so i think that we naturally have an aversion which it's you know if you go to psychology i'd studied a little bit of psych in college it's just negative reinforcement uh Mm -hmm. training and the cost of that always is that it makes us so terrified of Mm -hmm. of being truthful that's where people learn to lie or be dishonest because who wants to admit to something that happened knowing that they're going to get the ass whooped or they're going to get you know reamed in front of a bunch of people so when it comes, why do people resist the standard? I think it also has to do with people who don't actually want to live or operate at that standard. Yeah. I have a mentor of mine who always says, men always do exactly what they want. 
Mm-hmm. Right? You, you listen to a man talk about what he wants all day, but just watch what he does because he'll show you with his actions. So that's why I think people, and this is the best part of men. I believe we're, we're all hardwired to, uh, we have this, I think of it as like a gut instinct mm-hmm. that we have towards our honor and mm-hmm. integrity. We know when we're, when we're off base to the point where some guys won't ever commit or, or, mm-hmm. or raise the standard in their lives because they already know that they're going to break it. Mm-hmm. They already know that they don't actually want to live at that level. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really what the biggest issue is, is that um, most men don't want to set the mark and fail. Yeah. What I'm hearing you saying is accountable. Most oh, yeah. men do not want to be self-accountable. Mm-hmm. And I think that that accountability, like we said, it sheds so much light to who we are and who we don't want to be because if i set the standard up and i break it like no one's gonna know but i know i know i broke it and so i think that's where the men men you, like i learned from you right it's like men have two weaknesses pussy gat and believe in their old bs right mm-hmm. and part of that bs is the story behind the story behind the story you can we all have stories but okay you didn't do this why well this 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 well no you chose not to do it that's the answer the story doesn't matter you just made a choice not to do a and you did b instead and i think that's the reflection that we all need at times is we and i think that's why i love your organization because it is a mirror for a lot of men whether they want to look at it or not it's a mirror like how are you holding yourself you know in these groups how are we holding ourselves and if the group doesn't hold itself then men will get lost because then they'll get lost in the minutia of the act as opposed to what's the accountability if this happens because can I trust you? Can I be safe? Can I do all these vulnerable things we talk about? How can we do that if we don't have a standard of this, that, and the other? And, so, and, and it's so it's so evident in the things you see, the, the resistance points that you see men having. And I get it because yeah. I have them too. Yeah. But when when guys are like, oh, why are we doing this? Why are we spending <laughs> so much time making agreements and you know setting standards and and declaring commitments for ourselves it's like dude if you don't if you don't want that then then let's take a look at that like why because yes there there are some of the fundamental functional mechanics we have here but why is why would that why would that be something you don't want to do right why would you not want to talk about who you want to be and how how we should expect you to show up Mm -hmm. and how we should hold you accountable Mm -hmm. it's all just resistance it's because Mm -hmm. they know that well once that's once that's on wax once once we've said it and it's in Mm -hmm. stone you're going to be held accountable to it um and unfortunately you know to drive it does drive some men away yeah i think there's some men they they feel the intensity of it and the and the authenticity of it they feel how honest that accountability is because it's not personal. I think a lot of guys, that's the other thing. They think that being held accountable means that they're going to be punished and made to feel ashamed. Right. It doesn't look like that, does it, man? I mean, especially a guy like you, I think a lot of people, they, they look at a guy like you, especially some of that energy that you're capable of bringing, Yeah. but they don't recognize that when you're holding someone accountable, it's from a place of love. Mm-hmm. That's one of the 100%. deepest forms of love and care that a man can give to another man is, Hey, you didn't do what you said you were going to do, man. Yeah. What happened? Yeah. What happened? Because this is like three times in a row now. Yeah. How would you expect me to support you and show up for you now? Yeah. And and people don't that 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 scratches and grates on the ego in such mm-hmm. a big way, and it's hard to get over. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. Yeah. Um, well, man, to shift gears just a little bit, yeah. I know you talk about so much of the journey you had with us out at Compass in your yeah. in your book, um, but I know another big piece of that is. Uh, 
being able to share that experience with your son. Now, not yeah. not at the same time, but he went out and had his own experience. Uh, without going into each of your individual stories, what, what type of impact has that had on your relationship with your son? And, and what do you see as the impact that might have on your family moving forward? <laughs> I never thought that I'd be uh, talking to my own son about legacy. Time, man. I think, um, just so you know, why am I uh, so emotional? Um, I think because I always wanted a dad to be able to talk like me like this. Meaning, have a really deep, meaningful conversation, like lessons. Like, what, what should I prepare for? What should I embrace myself? Like, any, do you have any like secrets for me? Like, something. And I almost lost it with him. I almost. I was a really good dad up until I got divorced 10 years ago and I kind of just lost myself. And he was like 15, 14 at the time. And, and for us to rekindle the relationship after all that happened, I think is my greatest project or my greatest achievement as a dad. I love my daughters. It's just a different relationship. But to have your respect of your son, I think it's because I don't respect my dad. I don't have a relationship with him. Because of lack of accountability. And it forced me to look at myself and like, how do I want this young man to perceive his father? Am I just recycling what I did? Or I want to do something differently. So to answer your question, when he joined your organization was a big deal because it was a testament that he saw something I was doing that was helpful for me by being around other men. And then when he started getting the leadership roles and he was a leader in one of the groups, that was another profound thing. So as he was going through his growth, I saw myself at 24 and I was already a dad. I was going to get married in a year where how old he is. And these parallels that are completely different. So when he said he was going to the desert. And you and I talked about it. I knew the pain that he was going to have to go through. I know what I went through. And I was like, I can't wait for that gift for this young man to finally address the wounding that I was a part of, that I gave him, part of it, right? 
as opposed to holding on to it. So I knew when he was going to go that he was going to come back a different man. And I think that's why me going allowed me to understand his process and give him room and give him space and give him compassion and give him what he needed. So when he came back, I could be supportive and not inquisitive or curious. I just wanted to be supportive. Because when I came back, no one gave a shit about me. No one cared that I went. Nobody, Nobody I was knew. broke. No one, no one knew, but no one cared. Mm. He didn't care. So when so the journey, what it did for us, I'm telling you what I remember this. When he came, when I saw him come down and we're doing the thing, and he I locked eyes with him, I knew, I knew we were gonna be brothers for life. Like my son and I, brothers for life, because now we have something tangible that we could relate to as men. Yeah. Not as son and dad or dad and son, but no, man to man, him and I now had a bond that will never go away. That has led to conversations that he's come to me with about legacy of our family, dude. Dad, you did this. How about we do this? I have an idea about this. What about this? What about what if we do this? That's not the son that I knew. That's the man that came from the desert. That's what was born. So for me as a dad to see that and how other men talked about him, the greatest gift, JD, when you'll get it with your sons is when other men talk about your son. That to me was okay, I can breathe. Like, okay, we, I, I can, I've had some redemption with him now. Yeah. And now, now it's a whole nother level. Cause we're talking about, we're not talking about gossip, dude. We're talking about man stuff. What men deal with heartbreak, relationships, work, emotions, where with our boys, we can't really do that with our regular boys. Cause they don't understand that that's superficial. He's talking to that with his dad. I'm talking to that with my son. There's just a mutual respect. So to answer your question, what came out of the desert journey for both of us was a bonding that will never go away, that we'll have for the rest of our lives, and a mutual respect for what we had to go through alone, four and a half days by ourselves in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Well, Firstly, man, I just want to acknowledge your your honesty and, and your vulnerability. Thanks for showing us how much that really means to you. Um, I hear it in your words. I see it in your face, and I feel your heart with it, man. And to to witness the transformation of your relationship with your son has been really profound for me, because as much work as I did, I, I was I was doing all of this stuff before I became a dad. Yeah. Not not for very long, but before I became a dad. And there's still a lot of wounding that happens between a father and a son. It's a mm -hmm. really, it's a really different, difficult relationship. Mm -hmm. And to see just the the possibility of what's there, and mm -hmm. that the game is never really over. There's always mm -hmm. an opportunity to, to, like you said, opportunity for redemption. Um, I'm really touched just by observing both of you. And I, and I, I love living vicariously through your experience, man. When you share the stories and the 
uh, the the pride that you take in your son. I feel that. I mean, I feel that for Sitka, and he's he's not even eight yet, right? The things that he does, he just he did one of those moves today. You know, like the martial artists, they like kind of go on their back and then kick up their feet. <laughs> he's been working on it for like a month now, nice. and like watching YouTube videos. And I was yeah. giving him exercise, and he busts into the room today, and it's like, Dad, look at this. And he showed me, and he was oh, so pumped. Yeah, dude. it's like those moments, man. They mean so much, and just imagining myself having conversations with Sitka when he's ready about legacy and imagining him being a father, if he has a son and just the so powerful man. And and one thing I really want to highlight is something we talk about a lot in, in the, when I talk about rites of passage with other people, Mm -hmm. especially like a guy like you who nobody in your family or in your friend circle did what you did the first time you went out. And I always say to those guys, listen, the reason why we provide incorporation support when you come back is because you're going to go back to the world that hasn't changed at all. Mm-hmm. You've had this huge transformation and metamorphosis and nobody in your world is going to understand what you did or why you did it. You can tell them they could be loving and supportive, but they won't really know. And so that moment where your son is like, where you saw it in his eyes, and you, you were like, oh, he gets it now. That's just so powerful, man. That's what I want mm-hmm. for every, that's how it's supposed to be. We're supposed to have those moments where mm-hmm. our son looks at us and says, dad, I get it now. Mm-hmm. I'm ready now. That's, that's, that's a moment that we're all supposed to have as fathers is, oh, he's ready. You know, so I'm, I'm glad that you got to have that and that you had the awareness to see it in, when you did. And I'll even go on the rabbit. I appreciate the rabbit hole a little more. So what's actually transpired since then, so you have an idea, is the depthness, right? It's all about, I believe that the more safety we can have, this is where masculinity comes in. So as men are watching this, like, if you really tap into masculinity, it's a beautiful space to be in. Because think about this. Had I not really developed a way to get his trust back with safety with me, right? How I responded, how I reacted, you know, uh, being able to talk and not be judgmental. There's a story that he told about uh, him and I spent a but back up. I called him May. Part of the story is I said, Hey, I, I want to write this. I'm going to finish writing this book. He's you've been talking about it for two and a half years, Dad. What's up? I go, I'm going to write in 30 days. If I don't, I'm going to pay you 500 bucks. <laughs> He's like, What does that mean? So we, we had this little thing going, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, you're my accountability partner. Here's what we're going to do. If I don't get it done, then I'm going to pay you. He's like, Okay. So that was good for us because we had that. But then we went to San Diego for a week and we spent the week together. I spent a week with my son. So we got to good dig a little deeper. And in that in that, that week, we were with some other people that I knew. He brought up a wounding that I did to him when he was nine, bro. Yeah. With some with some people he didn't even know. But that's how conversational. He's open to it now. He's like, you know, my dad, I won't share this over my dad this and blah, blah, blah. And, and I heard it and I listened to it. But he's 24. Mm. That was 15 years ago. And he held on to it. But he was open to talk about it. So we're driving back home. And I remember sitting with him. I go, hey, bro, I'm really sorry that happened. And I said that to you. That wasn't my intention. But that's your reality. And that's what happened. I'm just really sorry. But hadn't I gone deeper? Like, I think a lot of men don't understand. Like, it's not what you do right now. It's what are you going to do for what's going to happen in the future, the future self that maybe you're 50 pounds overweight right now and and you have a granddaughter that you don't that hasn't been born yet and she's swimming and you can't fucking swim because you're overweight. You could be the one that could protect to, to save them. 
So it's like, what are you doing now to fix that? So for me, I was able to redeem and get this wet. So he has trust that he can talk to me and we squashed it like that. He's like, dad, thank you. I appreciate it. And I go, I'm really sorry, bro. But had I not done that, he would have still held on to that. I didn't know about that wounding he had. That's what I think was powerful in the message of, of healing ourselves with our sons and our dads. And because there's conversations that we're not having because of fear, because of judgment, that if we could have more conversations with men like that, the amount of stress in healing and anger and resentment could go away if there was a solid piece of a way that you could soften and become that safe space for someone to talk to. That's where standards come in. That's where the character comes in. That's where being your best self comes in is there's opportunities that you may not have because you're not someone that someone can talk to safely because of what you did to them. Yeah. That's just, that's really powerful, man. And for all of the fathers out there and the sons out there, right? I think one of the things I'm listening and what you're sharing is that there's, even when we do wrong by somebody or hurt somebody, whether we are aware of it or not, there, there's always the possibility mm -hmm. of repair. Yes. Um, and it, sometimes it doesn't take just one conversation. Sometimes it takes years. Sometimes it takes 15 you know, years. A, yeah. Sometimes it takes, you know, a decade and a half and, and yeah. a lot of really deep personal transformational work. I'm, I mean, it's like the Kobe thing, right? It's like everybody sees Kobe hit the game winning shot, but what they don't see is him in the gym at 4 a.m. in the morning, like, you know, mm -hmm. three hours before anybody gets there shooting those extra shots. And that's the stuff that people don't yeah. see is all the work you did in the decade and a half to be able to have that conversation with your son. Because anybody can say the words, mm -hmm. but the embodiment behind it, the, the, the genuineness behind it that, that makes that possible, mm -hmm. that's, that's where those extra reps come in. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, man. I mean, dude, I, I can't wait to read your book. And I just got it a few days ago, so mm -hmm. I haven't gotten all the way through yet. But man, uh, I, I I know a lot of what's in those pages already mm -hmm. from mm -hmm. getting to sit in spaces with you. Uh, if you had one last message to yeah. to anyone out there, you know, there's lots of men listening at different stages of their lives. Is there is there one thing on your heart that you want to send out there to, to them? Hmm. Yeah, I think the theme of this conversation has been as everything is repairable. As long as you as a man specifically surrender and you're self-honest with your role. I believe the key to self-mastery, we have this word that floats around all the place, is self-honesty, which leads to self control self-control of your dick of your appetite of what you put in your mouth of what that lack of self-control is the decimation of men because they're not self-honest with where they're at in life when a man can look in the mirror not the window and reflect what he truly sees is he really happy whatever that definition means. And if you're not, why aren't you doing something about it? What's holding you back? What's that belief that you have? Get to that belief and then get under that belief and get under that belief. The more self-honest a man can have, the more safe he's going to be for his people. Safety provides protection, duty, honor, 
all the qualities of what a masculine man should be for his family. But unfortunately, a lot of men are getting caught up in pleasures and vices because they're not self-honest and they have zero self-control. Agreed, man. Agreed. You're such a great leader in that capacity. So it's great to have you in the rising man community. And it's great to see the work that you've been doing, building your own community. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to have you say a little bit more about that, but I want to hit you with some lightning questions first. Sure. You ready? Let's go. All right. Straight off the cuff. What's one thing you've learned in your life. You wish you knew when you were 18. Mm. Building my character first before my income. Hey, good. I'm glad I did that. <laughs> <laughs> that's first I'm like, I'm like damn dude yeah that's i I did that so good if that's what you would tell your 18 year old self good all right <laughs> uh, all right back to it what do you think is the most important value to have as a man the most important value is self-honesty mm. and what do you think the world needs most from men right now mm. to raise their standards hey well, you're certainly doing your role in helping men raise the standards, Albert. Uh, what's the best place for people to connect with you, follow you, find you, get their copy of this amazing work that you're putting out into the world? Go ahead and hit us with all the info, man. Yeah, cool. I'll do a couple places. So, uh, men, you can call me. Like, I love to talk with you. Like, there's nothing. I'm not going to be sold. I'm not going to do anything. Like, I, I'm here. To, I'm here to. I'm on a mission to help men become the best versions of themselves for their people, for their family, their community. So please reach out, 916-230-1537. I'm on Instagram. I post three times a day. I got a lot of content, and I'm going to trigger you. I told Jetty, like, my my job, my my purpose is to trigger the world because stuff I'm saying, men aren't talking about it. Um, a lot of men aren't talking about it. I know Jetty's talking about it. I'm talking about it, but there's some serious stuff we need to talk about. So my, my handle is at Albert Chavez Fit. And then I have a website at chavisfit.com. And the book is on Amazon right now. I have a link that I could send Jetty that uh, is for a free book. You have to pay for shipping handling. It's like $7, but I can get that to Jetty as well. But it is on Amazon. It's $19.95 plus shipping and handling um, from darkness to redemption. And um, yeah, I'd love to, um, when you get it, take a picture of yourself, post it, show me your, show me your love and and it's a really fast read that I'm hearing from people. People are getting it done in a day and a half. I did it on purpose. I want you to get through it, not, not just snoring it. Um, and you're going to get your life changed by this book. This book is going to change your life. It's going to force you to look at yourself. Love that, Albert. Well, man, I love you very much. You're someone that I respect. And any opportunity to sit down and Sarah share some thoughts and talk shop with you is a good one. So I'm glad we got to record it this time, bro. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on. All right, y'all. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Please go and support Albert. Purchase a copy of his book. Trust me, it's a it's a banger. You're going to really enjoy what Albert has to say. He's got a very unique style and gift. And uh, in the meantime, any of you who want to come and join us in the Rising Man Brotherhood, go ahead and sign up for the free Telegram space that we have. Go ahead over to risingman.org slash brotherhood and get yourself registered today. Thank you guys for supporting us each and every week, coming out here, checking out these episodes. Until next time, rise up and claim your destiny.